Слава Господу, дорогие братья и сестры. Praise God. Wasn't this an amazing camp? Oh, it was amazing. I had some amazing fellowships, some amazing opportunities to talk to people one-on-one, some amazing prayer one-on-one, some amazing prayer in the mornings here. Whoever made it, it was amazing. The word in the morning was amazing. So many points that I was left and seated in my heart. I'm so grateful. Um, if this camp seemed like it was amazing, and we were all, we had amazing fellowship, good times by the fire, in the evening, good games, well organized, but we thank you, SCC. We thank our youth for organizing those games. It was awesome, all parts. Um, sometimes when things like this happen, it's kind of like focused on certain people that are stand up here, but we know none of this could be as great and joyful because of a few people. It's a many people here. So first thing I wanted to say, these strengths that you see up front, it's only by the strengths that supported right, and the foundation. And then you look and everything seems amazing when you're looking at the surface area stuff. So I want to thank the strengths and the foundation that support what the people that you see up front here. And Oleg, announcement, do you have an announcement? Oh, it's Denise, please come up very quick. Then we're going to pray, we're going to sing a song, we're going to have a testimony, Brother Greg's going to share some word, and Pastor Peter's going to end with... Some word and a prayer. Да, I just wanted to say thank you. Спасибо всем, кто приехал. Спасибо нашей молодежи. Спасибо вашей молодежи. I heard a lot of good reports, you know. And Apostle Paul said, "I am rejoicing when I have hear good reports about you." And I feel him, you know, when people say that, you know, our youth clicks. You know, it doesn't matter what country we're from, right? We have one spirit. And we're, we're working together, we're fellowshipping together. Uh, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Um, biggest thanks for the kitchen crew that made this camp possible. I think we would have left by this time, if not for you. <laughs> can't fast that long. Um, thank you. God bless you. We have little gifts for you. Um, thank you very much. Спасибо. This is just a little token of appreciation. Uh, may God bless everyone. Eric, uh, Pastor Peter, uh, brothers, Greg and Simon, and, and everyone who contributed. I had great fellowship with the brothers. A lot of rich experience. A lot of learned a lot. And uh, praise be to God. Thank you. So Exodus 4.10. I want to read two verses. Chapter 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Neither Therefore, nor since you, thou hast spoken unto your servant, but I am slow of speech and, and of slow tongue. I want you to just listen to this verse. This is God speaking. And the Lord said unto him, Who has made 
man's mouth, and who has maketh the dumb and the deaf or seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? I want you to think about that. Look at the things inside you, the things physically that you absolutely hate and so many times have reached out to God and asked, can you fix this? And nothing changes. The insecurities of your life, the world keeps judging you by the things and the weaknesses you have because the world is measured by a measurement of external value. God looks at you individually and says, I have created the weakness inside you. I have. I have. I'm the one that is the author of that. And how, and I, I look at that and I'm like, God, how can I thank you for that? I want to read one more verse. Second Corinthians, we read it last night, but I want to read one more verse. This is so powerful to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is where I want to start. We're going to pray. And I want this to rest upon your heart. I want you to focus on the weakness inside you, the thing that you hate the most about yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Don't you want the power of Christ to rest upon you? I want the power of Christ to rest upon me. And if it takes that I must accept the weakness and the infirmities that I have been gifted with from God. Gift, not curse. Gift. You must look at the things you absolutely hate inside you, hate about you, and say, thank you, God. Because it is the quickest way for Him to, His power to rest upon you. Thank you, God, for the weaknesses I have. Can you do that? It's very difficult as youth to do those things, to thank God for the weaknesses. But God says, in your infirmities, what will rest upon you? Christ's power. My prayer this morning, we're going to pray and we're going to thank. I want you to look, take that thing that hurts, that you don't like about yourself, if it's a physical thing, if it's a character thing, and I want you to thank the Lord for it. Thank Him. Not cry out, God, take this away. I want you to thank him for it. I want to read one last verse. We're going to pray really quick. Verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure. Pleasure. Think about that word. In infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And what's the last part? For when I am weak then I am strong. How does that fit? In our weaknesses, in our infirmities, is strength. It doesn't fit in this world. 
It doesn't fit. How? God says it is, and he has gifted you with your weakness that you hate. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord, and I want you to put it in the core of your heart, this thing that you cannot, you loathe, you hate, you hide, and you want nobody to see it. I want you to take it, put it in your heart before the Lord, and I want to pray today. And I want to thank the Lord for I'm going to thank the Lord I have weaknesses. I'm standing in my weak place. And I'm going to thank the Lord. And I want you to join me and thank the Lord in your weakness. Okay, let's rise. <sighs> Jesus, thank you for making this vessel the way it is. I accept it broken and flawed, but a part of your design for me individually. I have been crying out to you so many times to take it away, but now I understand, Jesus, that through it, it is my strength. Through it, I receive your strength, and through it, your power rests upon me. The power of Christ, let it rest upon me. Let me never ask to, for you to take it away, but let me accept it as a gift from you. Thank you, Jesus. And this morning, we ask that you prepare our hearts and your name be glorified and we receive the word that you've prepared and let us accept this design for each and every one of us, although it's different, and let your name be glorified through it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, one more thing. You can be seated. There's a testimony. Come up. A lot of times we wait for testimonies to be at the end. Come up. Do it in the beginning. Hi. My name's Liuba, for those that haven't met me. Um, so I had this on my heart and um, a couple of days we were playing, a couple of days ago we were playing the night game and um, for everything that we did, the events had a purpose behind it um, and I try to see everything from what is uh, in our lives in reality um, and when we were playing the night game I didn't expect anything of it, I just thought it was a game. Um, and in the middle of the game, I noticed a couple things. Um, when we try to get to the cross, uh, it's dark, and um, a lot of people, you know, had flashlights on when they weren't supposed to, kind of cheating their way in, you know. Um, not going to name them. <laughs> uh, but um, there was people that you know, we're kind of like bumping through, going through all the obstacles, through the thorns and all the branches and, you know, and I couldn't see anything. Uh, then there was me um, and I had a friend with me um, and I found myself um, in this very dark area and I didn't see anything and I was kind of frozen uh, in the moment and kind of afraid, I was like going through thorns, so these obstacles. And so I wanted to talk about like the darkness. 
um, and what we do when those times come along. Um, so our bodies, like, naturally they react to stresses uh, in three ways. We prepare to uh, attack the problem, um, which is fly from it, uh, run away, um, or we freeze, unable to respond at all. Um, when we find ourselves in the dark uh, about a life matter, we can stumble and grab whatever we possibly can and possibly complicate things. Um, freeze in fear, um, give up in frustration, or we can cope with darkness and take it step by step and trust God. Uh, so two verses came to me. Um, it is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And um, I feel like um, I'm speaking for myself when it's really dark. Sometimes I, you know, I'm in fear and I need a reminder most of the time. Um, that God is with me, and he's always there. If we can't feel him, he's there. Um, and when I had my friend with me, um, this verse came to me as well. It's Luke chapter 6, verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man bleed a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So I feel like in reality, when we have friends and... Um, we are on the same road, and we are here on earth to be the light and to guide our friends, family into the light. And I feel like that really spoke to me when I kind of froze in a moment, and knowing that my friend was with me, that is in reality what we do sometimes. It's kind of like we're not being the light, they're kind of like with us. So just kind of get out of our comfort zone. Um, yeah, that's what I think that's all. Good morning. We could say good morning once. Я приветствую вас любовью Господа нашего Иисуса Христа. Я тоже, я думаю, что нечестно немножко, что вы нам еще подарки даете. You know, um, I don't know whether it's part of the theme of this camp or not, but uh, I too said I'm not coming to the camp. <laughs> Originally, Eric asked me, he says, you know, we, we would like you to come and speak. And I'm like, I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a speaker. <laughs> I've never done this before, ever. And I said, no, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm prepared to do that. And once and twice, Eric would come up, he says, I'm not prepared either, but I know the power of God and I know that God it will do what he wants to do. That's the confidence I have standing up here. It has nothing to do with me. And I know that <clears throat> God is way smarter, way more powerful. And when we're willing to just give ourselves into his hands and say, God, do with me as you will. I want to be your vessel. That's when something amazing happens. That's when something amazing happens. Today is the final time, in this camp anyway, that we're going to speak about pots. <clears throat> I had somebody come up to me yesterday saying, hey, now we know how to do pottery. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> this wasn't designed as a pottery class. There's so many little things that I didn't mention. And also, it's not a perfect, it's not a 
perfect guideline of how God works either. There's a lot of things that are hard to link together. In any case, it gives us a very good and clear picture of the process that God does in our lives. But don't take it as a template for your life and say, I'm going to be just like a pot and follow everything that a potter does because it doesn't quite match up everywhere. <clears throat> but today is the final and probably among the most important things that happens to a vessel before it is used, used in a majestic way. You can see the picture here. You can see it okay with the, with the light? <clears throat> the temperature in there is approximately 1,000 degrees Celsius. That's about 17 and change in Fahrenheit. It's a hot place to be. They've opened the kiln. Normally, they're not supposed to open the kiln. I think this is a photo shoot because normally that top spot gets really cool and it can damage the, the clay. We'll talk about that a little bit later. later. But <clears throat> if you see how those pots have become different. They used to be brown and green and some of them all kinds of different colors, but they've become like the fire. They've become almost part of the fire. <clears throat> and this is something that I want to talk to you about today. We talked about purpose. We talked about wanting to get on the wheel of God and being used by God. And today I'm going to talk to you about becoming one with God, becoming joined with God. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so after a potter is satisfied with the vessel, he looks at it, says, you know what, this is ready. He prepares it for the kiln or for the fire. And what he does is he allows it to air dry a little bit because any surface water might evaporate quickly and it could cause the uh, clay to explode. The fire transforms the clay. It changes it right to the core of what it is from being a soft and fragile piece of clay to something that's durable and hard. A testament is to that is that we have clay pots that are over a thousand years old, oh, more than a thousand years old, all because they've met the fire, all because they've met the fire. This is the last step, the last step. The potter adds his mark of ownership. He turns his pot or vessel, and he either inscribes his names or initials, or some of them have an embossing tool where they will drive and make an imprint on that vessel. Because after it comes out of the fire, <clears throat> they look for their own vessel. Sometimes there's multiple vessels, and they turn it upside down and say, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's mine. I know that one is mine. That is the final step that he makes before he places the vessel in the kiln. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so he doesn't crank the heat. <laughs> he doesn't heat up or preheat the kiln. He places it in very carefully because the pot is very fragile, and he starts adding temperature slowly, little bit by little bit by little bit. At 350 degrees Celsius, or 660 Fahrenheit, any chemically bonded water to the clay is driven out. By the time the clay reaches 930 degrees Fahrenheit, 500 degrees Celsius, the clay becomes completely dehydrated. And at this point, the clay is changed forever. It's now a ceramic material. It's no longer clay. Next slide, please. <clears throat> the firing continues until the kiln reaches about 1730, 1000 degrees Celsius. It's a hot place. It's a hot place. And it doesn't just stay, uh, stop there. It remains at that temperature for a prolonged piece of time or, or, or whatever the potter uh, feels is the necessary amount of time. At this temperature, as in the picture that we saw, the clay is actually melting. It's melting. Um, the potter calls it maturing the clay. 
what we can't see in that red glowing pot is that on the molecular level, the clay particles are becoming fused together. They fuse each to, uh, to the other, and it changes the actual physical attributes of that material. It used to be clay, earth, and now it becomes a ceramic material, something that's durable, that can be used in a lot of things that that clay could not be used before. Only after the first firing, when that pot has become ceramic, can the potter apply glaze and other things to, as we'll see later on, <coughs> which is actually a mixture of certain chemicals and silica and, and a bunch of different things. They're closely guarded secrets, a lot of these things. Potters won't just tell them how they came up with that color or that combination because they try different things. And you'll see how it's, it's a bit of a work of art because you can't see what you're doing until it's been through the fire. The glaze is what makes that vessel impervious to liquid, which means it can hold any liquid. If after the first firing they fill it with water, it can leak. It, it can become, uh, it, can, it can start uh, soaking up the water. But after the glaze, it becomes a vessel that can hold anything. It will not allow anything to penetrate the actual ceramic material. Next slide, please. <coughs> so, glazing. So if you look on the left, that's before glazing. They got this rose peach kind of color on that big pot, and after the fire, it comes out and it's gleaming. It changes the color. Some of the pictures, are, or some of the, the, the um, examples we were looking at this morning in the cabin, where the glaze looks nothing like the final resort, result. Some of the blue glazes, they actually look brown. They, and when they're applied, they're applied and they look like a matte brown finish. And see, what can ever become of that glaze? And when they fire it, <coughs> it comes out looking absolutely magnificent. Nothing like the brown stuff that was on it before. So the glazes react and change in the kiln. What they do um, <coughs> is actually they melt and they bond together with the actual clay. And only the potter understands what temperature will the glazes respond to and how they will recombine and what they will look like. That's why when he applies them, he applies them with a vision in terms of what they're going to look like afterwards. Next slide, please. So, to the potter, <coughs> the moment of opening the kiln after the glaze is probably the most exciting part of his job. He's got to wait till it cools right down. So he knows it's already done, but he's got to wait till it cools down in order for him to open that kiln. And he waits. He waits with anticipation because he knows that that which he marked on that pot is going to be amazing. It's going to be, aha, wow. That's the response he has every single time he opens that kiln. He says, you know what, actually, that, that is very beautiful. I'm not sure if that's the response God has because God knows exactly what it's going to turn out. But a potter has that exclamation at the end of his work. He says, wow. It's even different or better than I ever imagined. Next. So, I didn't talk to Eric about the scriptures I'm going to use to talk about this. And I have the confidence that what God placed on my heart is what God placed on my heart because I have a lot of the same thoughts that Brother Eric started with. Moses was a person that felt unworthy. He was not suitable for what God was calling him. And I want to direct your attention to where it all started for Moses. Moses had a wonderful beginning. He was the promised deliverer of Egypt, in Egypt, and then he messed it up. Forty years, 40 years he was in, I'm 40, so my entire life span, I was in the desert. He was in the desert looking after sheep. He had a promise. He was the promised deliverer. And all of a sudden he ends up in a desolate place where, um, basically like the desert, <clears throat> and something that he saw in his life caught his attention. 
if we read, this is Exodus 3, 2 to 6. Most of you probably have already read it. Um, I'll paraphrase it. Moses basically walking through where he walked through, generally speaking, to get to the places where he could uh, herd uh, his sheep and maybe there was uh, some, some sort of grass there. But he would walk by in certain routes and he noticed a burning bush. <clears throat> and that was no surprise to him. Because in a desert, things burn. It's hot. A burning bush is no big deal. But when he went in the morning to that spot and then he came back, that bush was still burning. Perhaps it was the next day when he came. He was like, that bush is still burning. It's still burning. The whole key there is that it did not burn. It continued to burn. And look at what he said. I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Something caught his attention. And when he approached that burning bush, that fire, <clears throat> God spoke to him. God called him to something that he was not ready for at all. He said, I can't even speak properly. I don't remember the language. It's been 40 years. I, I'm not the right guy. And God called him, and he had to make a decision. He had to make a choice. He had to make a choice. He said, I am the God. I am the God that made your tongue. I am the God that made everything. Do you want to follow me or not? Do you want to take this path that I'm setting out for you or not? And Moses chose. He chose. And it changed his life at the core. At the core. He went and stepped out in faith. He embarked on being used by God like very, very few people in history. It started with a decision. I'll turn aside and see a great sight. And at that fire, God spoke to him. God drew him in. And he saw things that most of us will never see. He experienced God's glory and God's grace and God's power like many of us will never see. But it started there. It started at that fire, at that burning bush where he was willing to come into the presence of God and say, God, here I am. I'm not the right guy for it. But if you're with me, I will go anywhere. Next slide, please. <clears throat> In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews makes a reference to the Old Testament. And he says, for our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. Fire, if we look in the Old Testament, has always been associated with the wrath and judgment of God. Fire from heaven in Egypt as one of the plagues. In the book of Job, they came and said, fire came from heaven in Sodom and Gomorrah. Destruction. Fire. God hasn't changed. God does not change. Look what has though. God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Scripture says. God Consuming fire has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The scripture in Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love, not judgment, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? God, consuming fire, God, lives in your heart. That's a fire that is a fire above all fires. That's not a thousand degrees. We are the living temple of God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them, many translations say. In the Russian translation, it says, in them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. Next slide, please. So, because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, we can face God and not be destroyed. 
Everybody was scared of God in the Old Testament. They had a temple. They had a place where only certain people after certain rituals could enter the presence of God. Through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, no longer does the presence of God bring destruction because of sin. But instead, it's grounds for an incredible transformation and display of God's power in our lives. So the ultimate purpose of your vessel, you as a vessel of God, is to have it filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He wants to live in that vessel. He's been building his own home out of your life. That was the whole point of that vessel, to glorify and show his glory in your life. And it's accompanied with power. Scripture tells us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So many of us, many of you yesterday and, and possibly before then have committed your lives to Christ. And Scripture tells us that in the day of our salvation, when we accept Jesus' sacrifice through faith, something happens. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead raises us to a new life. That's what the theology is behind it. The Spirit comes into our life. The Bible tells that this event is accompanied by a seal of everything new. Everything new. In Ephesians, it says, The day that we heard the word of God, the, the, uh, and we were raised by faith to new life, God put a seal on our life. He put a seal that this is my child. This is something that I've started to work in. Next slide, please. That's just, just the beginning. When the Holy Spirit enters our lives through faith, He can't just come in by storm. He doesn't come in and say, Hey, where's the wheel? Where's the control center? Everybody out? It's my turn. He will never do that. God will never do that. He wants us, He needs us to release our will to Him and begin to want what He wants, desire what He desires, and over and over and over and over again, He'll lead us through the fire. He'll lead us to those uncomfortable places in our lives through circumstances, through scripture, through things in our lives, asking us to yield all of our favorite places so that we are fully consumed by him, fully consumed, all-consuming fire so that everything in us glows with what God wants and we look like the fire that we've been filled with. What's his objective? So that everything in our body, everything in our mind, everything in our spirit is fused together with one desire, to be in God's hand, filled by Him, used by Him how He wishes. Next slide, please. <clears throat> There's a statement at the top of that that is a statement that every Christian must make in order for him to go through that final process to be used by God. Holy Spirit, please take control. That's a packed statement. That means I'm surrendering, whether I know or don't know everywhere that I'm surrendering. But I choose today, like Moses, I choose in the face of this fire that I'm going to step into it in faith. And whatever God requires of me and wants me to do, I will do with his help. <clears throat> God empowered Moses. He gave him certain gifts. He said, when you come to Egypt, do this. Take your staff and drop it and it will become a snake. Draw out your hand and it'll become uh, leprosy. Leprosy will become white with leprosy. And put it back in, inside your coat and it will be... Uh, he gave him signs. He gave him certain gifts that would testify to the fact that God sent him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, or baptism as we call it, of the Holy Spirit, is the event or point 
where we make the decision to release the wheel confidently to God and ask Him to take full control. Ask Him to take full control. God, I'm stepping out in faith. I know that there's a fire ahead. I know that everything in my life may change, and I don't understand exactly why, and it may scare me, but I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm going to follow you and give you control of my heart, my intentions, everything, my future, my everything. I want to be where you want me to be, and I will follow you where you will go. As in the first church, God accompanies this event with a sign. In the New Testament, we saw when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts Something happened. There was a visible sign that everybody saw. People started speaking in a different language. They didn't know the language previously, but that was a sign that everybody said, something has happened. <clears throat> Next slide, please. God gifts, gives gifts freely. He gives gifts. When He comes and He lives in our heart, He gives gifts abundantly. He's generous. The purpose of the gifts that God gives us is to increase our ability to serve the body of Christ. He intends for us to serve, to serve. He wants to serve your neighbor through you. They're meant to equip the body of Christ to serve. Born to serve is the title of our camp. <clears throat> it's our model, we can say, for these three days, and I pray that it becomes the model of our life. As we talked about yesterday, Gifts bear an enormous responsibility. People hearing and seeing God use you can turn you over and say, oh, he belongs to God. God is using him. We are the package that people judge God by. When they look at your life, they look at what you do, how you act, they accept that as being a reflection of God. It is absolutely important, absolutely important that we are spirit-filled. Spirit-filled, which means allowing the power of God through the Holy Spirit in us to transform our lives to the likeness of Christ and using the gifts that He gives us, God using the gifts that He gives us to serve others in the name of Christ. And it's no um, coincidence that weakness, weakness, our weakness, our admitted weakness is something that is key to God's power. Key to God's power. Because when we feel like we can do it, we get in God's way. We get in God's way. And God can't do what He intended. Next slide, please. So, God consuming fire, living in us, guiding us, teaching us, and using us as a vessel to pour out the spirit of life to others, makes His mark on our vessel. He adds, with every time He uses us, He adds something new and it doesn't look like much at first. But when it enters the fire, it changes entirely. It changes our appearance. It changes who we are. We're actually astounded when that comes through one fire. We're like, wow, that's beautiful. Can it get any more beautiful? But a great potter knows how to layer his glazes. He knows exactly how to add things so that when it melts the second time in the fire, it adds a different color. It adds a shine. It adds something else. And uh, the potters that, that understand glazes, they know that no amount of fire no amount of fire will damage that pot by glazing it. He knows exactly what he's doing. Every time God uses us, he adds color, new beauty, and new value. He adds value to who we are. 
Next slide, please. Now, throughout our camp, we've talked about some foundational truths, some very foundational truths. To be truly changed by God, to be a man or a woman of God, after God's own heart, I have to allow the Word of God to penetrate my life like water, to break apart every intention of my life, of my heart, of my mind, and penetrate everywhere and conform to what God wants, conform to the Word of God, to change my way of thinking or my perspective to God's perspective. The Word of God is His language. He speaks Bible. And in asking Jesus, what do you want me to do? You're saying, what are you saying to me? We're asking God to speak directly into our lives. Directly into our lives. And our requirement to hear God is to have a desire to yield. Remember Adam and Eve, they knew, they knew exactly, exactly what God's will was. They knew exactly what God told them. But they were willing to substitute it. They were willing to not hear all of a sudden what God had told them and choose something else. Choose something that they thought was superior to what God had told them. We need to choose to hear God's voice. We need to seek it. We need to learn how God works and what God says in order to yield to His voice. And as God leads us to change, we have to yield our expectations as we heard yesterday. Step out. Be vulnerable. All those areas that think we think are okay, those are the areas that God is after. He will go through every closet. He will go through every basement, every attic of your life and say, wait a second, there's a little corner here that you still need to give to me. You still pack all your little stuff into that little corner. We've cleaned everything else out. But the things that we absolutely love, we will hide somewhere. And God is always going straight to that corner. He'll go straight to the closet where that thing that you love or that thing that you've sort of hoarded and say, God, I'll give you everything else but that. He'll go right there and he says, we need to get rid of this. I can't fill you fully unless we get rid of this. Allow him access to your entire life. Next slide, please. The purpose of God is to dwell in you, to fill you with an all-consuming fire. To show his grace, love, and glory to those that surround you. In you and through you. <clears throat> now in closing, I want to just repeat maybe in a different way something that We've spoken of. I've talked about a vessel of worth, of everlasting worth, and that God will do something beyond what your imagination can allow you even. And sometimes we take that as the trade-off. We say, well, uh, it's worth it because God's going to do this or that, that. And then we create an expectation in our mind saying, if I choose to do this, if I choose to stand on this point as this guy is saying, God's going to make this amazing thing out of me. And when something doesn't work out the way we think, or it's in the process, and we look at this, this is not what I expected. Where's my beautiful vase, God? We heard about that a little bit yesterday. God is faithful, but God is all about surrender. He's all about surrender. He wants you to say, no matter what, I see or what I feel or what I think, I know that I'm in the hand of the Master and my eye is set on Him, and I know that He's a good God. He's an amazing artist. And in the end, when I look at everything, I'll say, that's the best decision I made. <clears throat> I want to direct your attention to three Old Testament heroes. My three Old Testament heroes. Young men that were in a different country where they could do anything they absolutely wanted because their parents weren't there. They were the elite. The, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, chose these special people. They were good-looking. 
They were smart. They were the cream of the crop. And these three young men decided, even in a different country where we don't have a temple and we don't have a country anymore, we will serve God in a perfect heart. We will check our heart and we're going to serve God no matter what. And they faced a fire that most of us will never face. The king Nebuchadnezzar made this massive sculpture in his own image. And he said, everybody has to bow down to this image. Everybody has to do it. <clears throat> or he'll be thrown in this furnace of fire. After the music sounds, all of you are to bow down and worship this image. And I don't know how many people were around this image, but I imagine that there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And nobody would have noticed even if they would have just went, you know what, is it really worth it? We're not, <laughs> we're going to bow down, but we're still standing up inside. You know, God sees our heart. He sees everything that's going on inside. What's the big deal here? <clears throat> you could see this entire, entire mass of people. Everybody was bowing and three sticks sticking up. You couldn't miss them. You could not miss them. They stood up and they said, there's no way, no way I'm going to bow down. And when somebody saw, they came to Nebuchadnezzar and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, there's three guys that refuse. And Nebuchadnezzar recognized them. He says, these are, these are the best students. These are the, the cream of even those people closest to me. And he told them, he said, listen, maybe you misheard hard to believe but you guys hear pretty well you're smart how I don't know but I'm gonna give you another chance because if you don't if you don't you'll be thrown in the fire you'll be thrown in the furnace to a certain death and you know they had a second chance the first chance was something that they stood up and they said you know well oh, great but this was a second chance where they had the ability that you know what okay fine Maybe the fire's a little bit too hot. But they made a statement then that not only increased the fire, but it's an amazing statement to me. It talks about absolute surrender. Absolute surrender. You remember what they said? They said, know this, O king, I'm paraphrasing. We serve a most high God that is able to deliver us from the furnace. He is able. We know he is able. But if he chooses not to... And we perish in that fire. We will never, ever, ever bow to anybody but our Lord and our Savior and our God. Can you hear the iron in that statement? There was nothing that would change what they believe in. They were willing to stand to it to the death no matter what God did. No matter if God made a miraculous thing. They knew who they believed in and they knew God's goodness. And that fire didn't scare them even when they cranked it up a notch. Seven times, seven notches. And the people that were throwing them into that furnace died because it was so hot even coming up to that flame. And for the glory of God and to our eternal example, Nebuchadnezzar standing way far off because it was so hot. Saw Four people walking around in the middle of this furnace. Four people. He's like, this is unbelievable. Seven times hotter. There is no way that we could even see anything in there. And he sees people walking around inside the furnace. Inside that furnace. 
He calls them out. He says, come forth. He comes, they come out and after seeing what God had done, he proclaimed and he made a law or an edict that everybody, everybody is to serve the God of Shadrach, Ish, Meshach, and Abednego because he is worthy. He is worthy of being served. Now, <clears throat> we don't have a Nebuchadnezzar and we don't have furnaces that people are thrown in today. But I can tell you one thing, that God, after you've made a decision, after you've made a decision to serve him, there's always a testing fire. You can see it throughout scripture. Joseph, Jesus, Moses, everywhere there was trials and temptation to test, to see, do you really believe what you believe, what you've accepted? Is that something that you are willing to base your life on, stake your life on it? Or is it something that you just decided to do because everybody was doing it that made you feel good? Do you have any staying quality? Do you have any durability to what you've decided to do? And I want to tell you today that when you step out in faith, in faith, it's scary. Can you imagine? Can you imagine these three young men looking at what's happening to that fire? They're cranking it up. We're scared of it before they even started cranking it up. What is going to happen to us? They submitted to God and they said, God, even if I perish, I will never, ever change my mind. I know who you are. I want to discover who you are. And even if it's through the greatest fire that cost me my life, I will not change course. What gives me great hope is that when those four, three young men were thrown in the fire, God didn't just deliver them and have them walk around. He was in the fire with them. Nebuchadnezzar noticed, didn't we throw three guys in there? Didn't we throw three? Who's the fourth? He's like unto the Son of God. His radiance and countenance in the fire that's going to burn seven times hotter than you can imagine. God will be with you in the fire. He's not going to stand back and say, oh, I'm going to give you some superpower. He will be there with you, leading you through it, in you, driving you to where he wants, giving you the peace, the power, and the joy amongst that fire. The Holy Spirit is something that we absolutely and absolutely we need. We need to yield to Him and as Scripture tells us, it's not something that necessarily happens automatically. By cleansing our lives and yielding to God every time we say, God, please fill me. God, please fill me. God, fill this part of my life. God, fill this part of my life. That audible God Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. It's something that is part of receiving. It's receiving. It's part of our decision-making process. We decide and we say, God, will you please fill my life with your Holy Spirit, my entire life. I want to be filled with you. I want to be Spirit-filled so that everybody around me can say, you know that person that we work with? Something's different about him. He's Spirit-filled, like they said of Stephen or many people in the New Testament. This man was Spirit-filled. He was... Filled by the Spirit of God, he lived that way. It made a permanent mark on his life. And everybody who ever came in contact with him looked at those glazes, looked at that magnificence and said, looks like a mere man. There's nothing special about him. But what God does through him is amazing. It's amazing. His shadow heals people. It's nothing about him. He didn't have a magic coat. It's because he trusted and he allowed God to fill him and use him fully. God did magnificent things through Peter and all the apostles. My prayer today in closing, in closing all the things that I've said from this spot is that uh, 
all these truths would kind of sink down, sink down into your heart, sink down into your mind, and that they would, God would recall all this in the following weeks when you're at work, when you're at school, and cause you to change the way you think. Change the way you think. Change your desires. Change everything about how you build your life. Choose to be vulnerable. Choose to get out and say, God, where you will lead, I will follow. Because I know you are right there with me and you're going to guide me all the way through. I, uh, with great excitement, await. We don't know what our lives will hold. We don't know what the next 10 years will hold in this country that we live. We don't know what God is going to do over the horizon. But I believe that God is raising up men and women today for something that he's about to do in our countries, in the world that we live in. And today, it's a choice that we have to make. God, am I going to be part of that? Or am I going to be part of what I think? I've got my own ideas. I've got my own ideas about church. I've got my own ideas about career. Or am I going to say, God, I don't know where you want me. And really, it doesn't matter. I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be filled with you. I want to be used by you. And I, that's where I want to be no matter what the cost is. We're going to pray, and I just want you to cement and think about what we've heard and make that audible call to God. God, fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Every space that I've got in my life, I want you to be there, and I want to burn and be consumed by everything that you want in my life. Make that step in your life, and God will turn on the furnace. He will start working it. And he will guide you through it and he'll walk you through it to his glory and to our satisfaction. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Дорогая молодежь, слава Господу. No slide presentation from me today. But you're going to have to open your ears and your hearts. Я вообще не знаю, где начинать, слушая все, что братья нам говорили, излагали Писание, говорили от души, от сердца. И кажется, что теперь вам сказать? I don't know really exactly what to tell you guys. I don't know where to start. I know what I want to say. But where do we start? There's so much. You've heard so much. And it's almost like an information overload, but it's not really. Because there's a central theme. If you're paying attention, there's a central theme. So let's start with our verse. Did any of you guys read the verse? Galatians chapter 5. What's the verse? It's written right there. 5.13. Давайте откроем Писание. Put up Galatians 5.13. К свободе призваны вы, братья, только бы свобода ваша не было поводом к угождению плоти, но любовью служите друг другу. Но любовью служите друг другу. Why did you guys come to youth camp? I want you to think about what is the reason you came. If I ask you, you'll probably tell me what I want to hear or what you think I want to hear. 
Но у каждого из вас в сердце есть намерение и желание, глубоко в сердце. И вы знаете, почему вы пришли. You know why you came. And God knows why you came. We could make a list of why you came. Ultimately, why do we go to church services? We call them in Russian language богослужения. How do you translate that literally? служить, богослужение. A service for God. But how do you actually serve God? We know the answer. Когда мы служим друг другу, тогда мы служим Богу. And when we come to a service, we call it, right? A church service. Who is serving? You guys came to youth camp. Who was actually serving? Okay. We handed out gifts. And I'm sure everybody who received the gift is grateful and thankful. But they don't serve for the gift. There is a huge reward that you receive when you serve. And I'm not talking about heaven. I'm not talking about heaven. There is a principle that works when you serve. And it's paradoxical. Иногда мы ходим и мы ищем и желаем, чтобы кто-то нам что-то сказал, чтобы мы были наполнены, чтобы кто-то нас ободрил, чтобы кто-то нам сказал это слово, которое нас просто нам даст ветер под нашими крыльями, и мы будем летать и чувствовать очень хорошо. We're seeking this word and this comfort and this uplifting message that I might feel good. Oh, I got something out of this. And that's good. But I will tell you a secret which many of you already know. I get more out of this by standing here and serving you than you do. It's a principle that works. And I don't seek that, but I get it. How do I know this? Who was the ultimate servant? You know the answer. Who was the ultimate servant? What did he receive? Where is he right now? Who is higher than him? Nobody but the Father. Nobody but the Father. But what was his intent? To be there? His intent and his desire was that you, you and I, would be there where he is. It was to serve you. Before the foundation of the earth, before Adam and Eve were created, before he created Adam and Eve, Jesus knew about the cross. His intent and his desire was the cross. Do you understand this? His intent and his desire was to serve you. And he created Adam and Eve that you and you may be where he is. 
We heard the word amazing a lot today. Well, let's hear it again. Amazing. God wants you and you to be where he is. Служение, служить друг другу, любить друг друга имеет огромное значение и it has a huge, even a reward for us here in this life. We call it a side effect. But it is amazing. It is amazing. There's so many ways we can go now. So much scripture that opens up. So how long should I speak? One hour, two hours, three hours? I don't know. There's so much. And I want you guys to understand. I want you guys to take what you have here today at this camp and understand that it is not about camp. It is not about camp. There was a day when Jesus Christ went up a mountain and he took three apostles with them. Who were they? James, John, and Peter, right? They went up a mountain. And what happened there? We call it the Mount of Transfiguration, where James and John and Peter just stood there, and Jesus was transformed. And Moses and Elijah appeared. And James and John and Peter just, they didn't talk. They didn't budge into the conversation and say, oh, I got something to say. They just stood there. And they were in awe. And they said, we don't want to go anywhere. Мы не хотим отсюда уходить. Нам здесь так хорошо. Нам здесь очень хорошо. Let's make a couple of these, uh, the tents that they make out of the bushes. And they didn't even think about themselves. One for Jesus, one for John, one for Elijah, and one for uh, Moses. Let's make these and we're just going to stay here. The moment passed by. And then Jesus says to them, okay, time to get off the mountain. And Maladyosh, it's time to get off the mountain. And I want you to understand, the life that God has in front of you is not about that mountain. It is not about that mountain where Moses will appear, Elijah will appear, and it's so good. Let's just stay here. It is not. Does God give you those moments in life? Absolutely. Will he bring you into his presence? Absolutely. But that's not what it's about. What is it about? Everything we went over. It is actually about the cross. Бог послал своего сына Иисуса Христа ради нас, чтобы Христос совершил определенную миссию, а это Голгофа. God sent Jesus, and Jesus willingly came. He created us for a reason that he would go to the cross. And he said, if you would be my disciples, what are you to do? Go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, make yourself some tents, stay in some cabins, 
I like the cabins. I slept in them. But did he say that? No. If you would follow me, and if you would be my disciple, take up your cross. Take up your cross. What is the cross? The cross is an instrument of torture and execution. It was specifically designed to torture and kill people on it. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. But there's some amazing things also that Jesus said. Let's go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, I'm absolutely positive that many of you know this passage of Scripture by memory. Matthew 11, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. The words of Jesus Christ. Придите ко мне, все труждающиеся и обремененные, и я успокою вас. Возьмите иго мое на себя и научитесь от меня. Ибо я кроток и смирен сердцем, и найдете покой душам вашим, ибо иго мое благо, и бремя мое легко. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I do not want you to be afraid of the cross. It must happen in your life. But if Jesus said he will help you, he will help you. Like we heard already, he will be there in the fire with you. He won't show you a way around it. He will have you walk through it, and he will be there right by your side. Service. Born to serve. What does it mean to be born to serve? What do we think about when we think about, I am going to serve God? First thing I hear, I'm going to be a missionary. Amazing. God bless you. A mission strip. I want to see this and I want to do that. Yes, those people are absolutely needed. And God uses people in that capacity. I'm going to embarrass our kitchen staff again. That was service. Are you guys prepared to serve like that? Not a big missionary. Not some miracle worker. Actually, that was a miracle worker, by the way. But like that. Like that. Some of you are already doing it. All those games that you had to organize, somebody had to do it. Just preparing for this camp, somebody had to do it. Somebody had to worry. Somebody had to plan. Somebody had to run around and get everybody to say, somebody had to do it. And then somebody has to stand up here and speak. Whose reward is greater in the eyes of God? 
we can't say whose reward is greater. Who was the greatest prophet that walked the earth that Jesus said, is, this is the greatest prophet? What was his reward? What did he say? He's the least in the kingdom of God. How does that work? I don't know. God knows. There's more scripture. When you guys look at a pastor, when you look at a pastor, what do you think? How do you envision this person? Who is he to you? Or your deacons in your church? Or your youth leader? I'm hoping that this camp kind of should guys give you a new light on the service that they do for you. Your pastor or your youth leaders or your deacons or everybody around you is a person just like you. It's a person just like you. That has feelings just like you do. That has trials in his life just like you do that has worries just like you do, that knows and understands even though he stands here and looks confident and thinks and looks like he knows everything, knows that he actually knows nothing, and he's crying out to God, what do I do, what do I say? Just like you a person. And I want you to see those who serve in the church like that. I'm not saying to look down on them, but to understand that we're all serving in the body of Christ together. I'm going to say a little bit about myself. Maybe some of these things our youth has already heard. Maybe some you haven't. Okay. You all know my name? Peter. Simple name. Probably one of the more common names. I was born in 1969. That makes me almost 50 years old, not quite. When I was three years old, I was born in Australia, by the way. Okay? I was born in Australia. Our family moved to Canada when I was 10 months old. That's why I speak English. Хорошо, если вам непонятно. Когда мне было три года, я бегал по дому, и мама жарила, I don't know what she was, she was frying something on the stove. There was a frying pan full of hot oil. And I ran up to the stove, she was doing something else, and I pulled the frying pan off the stove. And I was burnt from here to here. I was burnt to right through to the bone. I'm not supposed to be standing here. The doctors said there's no way I was going to live. 
right? Some of you may have noticed I have a scar here. No, it's not from a knife fight. It's because of what happened when I was three years old. Why does God allow that? It's tears, it's pain, it's anguish for my parents. I don't remember it. I was three. I had to deal with the consequences of it growing up. But why does God allow that? Isn't he a good God? We say he's good. I grew up being scarred. I know, not a cool scar where I'm cut and you look tough and cool. But burn scars are ugly. I grew up self-conscious, very aware of myself, extremely shy. I too am a person who wants to be up on the balcony and not up here. Growing up, going through high school, you guys had to do oral reports. You love them? We had to do oral reports. Teacher would come up to me and I'd say, no. You're going to fail. Okay. I'm not going to. I am not going to do an oral report. And yet here I am standing talking before you guys. God has a reason and a purpose. And ultimately God is good. I know why God did that in my life now. But when I was growing up, since I grew up in a Christian family, I knew that God was real. I knew that God heard prayers. I knew that God could do anything. Because I heard about the history of our families, of our church, what God did by the power of the Holy Spirit, how he led us. I knew it all. And I prayed many a time. Many a time. I prayed the prayer that you guys read here today of what Apostle Paul prayed. Lord, take this away from me. I know you can, you can raise a person from the dead. Take this away from me. I prayed many times. He didn't take it away. Why? But God is good. But God is good. But he didn't take it away. Those of you who have, like we heard today, certain weaknesses in different areas of your life, we're talking about physical things. Spiritual weaknesses should not exist. We need to progress in that area. You know what I'm talking about. He doesn't take it away. Yet you believe, you have the faith. But God is good. When I was 11 years old, one of my uncles came up to me and started to tell me about heaven and hell. And that one day Jesus Christ would come and take all those who are his to heaven and everybody who wasn't his would remain and they would end up in hell in a fire that's way hotter than a thousand degrees. 
way hotter than the furnace that the three young men were in. But that fire is also a miracle. It's like the burning bush. You're going to burn and never burn out. He told me this. We, he went through all of these things. I remember to this day, I made up my mind. I was 11 years old. I am not going there. I'm not going to that fire pit. I'm not going, I'm not going to hell. What? My parents and my uncles and everybody are going to be heaven? There's no way I am going there. I was 11. I remember that. It doesn't mean I was perfect, but I had a decision. There's no way I am going there. And young people, I want you to understand. Ad это реальное место. Многие сегодня не говорят за ад. Вечная погибель. Озеро огненное. Место, где будут кричать хотеть смерти и не будут смерти. Вечные муки. Eternal suffering. Eternal separation from God. The lake of fire. People say, oh, the devil, he rules. He does not rule hell. He's going to burn in hell. And all the demons will burn there. They have no authority over it. Christ took it away. Hell was designed and created for Satan and his angels. Not for you guys, not for me. And it is real. It is absolutely real. And those of you who need to be afraid should be afraid. Absolutely. Before we go to the rosy side, I want you to understand it is real. And yet God created Adam and Eve for a specific place. He created them for, gar- for the Garden of Eden. He created man to be with him. And his intent is for each and every one of you to be with him. Not in hell. Man is not predestined for hell. If you're going to get into predestination debate, which I won't. But I will tell you, man is not predestined for hell. Бог хочет, чтобы все люди спаслись и достигли познания истины. God, wa- God desires that everybody should be saved and come to the knowledge of God. So 11 years old, I had this decision I had a pretty difficult character. I'm stubborn. Maybe that helped me in some areas. Because I said I'm not going there. I'm stubborn enough that I'm not going there. I remember the day I was born again. It wasn't when I was 11. I remember the day I was born again like yesterday. I got water baptism in 1984, July 1st. That's not the day I was born again. But that's the day I got water baptism. 
Dedi Siroja was in that group. 1984, July 1st. In our country, that's Canada Day. But the day I was born again, which was before water baptism, I remember I picked up the Bible. I picked up God's Word, which we heard so much about. Oh, where do I start reading? New Testament, Matthew. I just started there. I still have that Bible. You know, I read and I had a red uh, pencil crayon. And so everything I would read, I would mark in red. You know, oh, this is important. Oh, this is good. And I was highlighting everything. I look back at that Bible now. Everything is red. I don't even use, I can't read it. Everything is red. Oh, this is interesting. This is, do you know how you're born again? Do you know if you're born again? What are the signs of life? You hunger and you thirst. We have some small children here. How often do you have to feed your children? And what happens if you don't feed them? They'll let you know. They will let you know. Are you born again? You must be born again. You must be born again. You will in no ways enter the kingdom of God if you are not born again. If you are alive spiritually, you hunger. You got to eat. And you don't need to tell me excuses. Did you pitch? I have no time. God understands. Absolutely, God understands. He understands everything. And our youth heard me say this, but I'll say this to all of you. You know what? God 100% understands Adolf Hitler. He understands him. He understands Stalin. He understands him. He knows the pressures they're under. He knows their life circumstances. He knows everything. He totally understands them. So I'll, I say to you and I say to myself when I say, I have no time. God understands me. I'm too tired. I'm too tired. I got to go to work. Oh, they'll make do. My answer to you is, so what? Really? Jesus Christ went to the cross so that you would not go to hell and you have no time? I'm sure you guys have time. But I hear this. And it bothers me. I see it in myself, and it bothers me. Hunger and thirst. Are you alive? What if we didn't have our cooks, like we heard Dennis said? We would have left a long time ago. How long can you fast? You know, one day, we're hungry, we're going. Where's the nearest restaurant? Right? Do you hunger? Do you thirst? Do you know if you, I've never fasted that long, but there's a certain point where you, when you stop eating, you actually stop being hungry. 
and then your body starts to consume itself. It's a really quick way of weight loss, yes. And it's also a really quick way to the grave. You know, yes, fasting physically has its own um, benefits. But spiritually fasting like that is death. You will consume yourself and then you will die. Think about it. Stop reading the Word of God. You can only live on the scripture that you have here for so long. And then the scripture that you think you know starts to become twisted. I have talked to people who have fallen away from God and they start quoting scripture to me. They used to know the scripture really well. And then they start quoting scripture to me for, to justify it. And I'm like, what are you saying? Where is that written? That's not even in the Bible. Yes, it is. No, it's not. God helps those who help themselves. Where is that written? I haven't found it. And there's more. Born again. Started reading the book of Matthew. Started the New Testament. I remember. I would read. I would read. I was in school. Lunchtime. I'd run to a corner. I would just read my Bible. Marking, marking everything. Come home. Go to sleep. And everything I read that day, at night when I slept, it played like a movie, like something real. Everything that I read. I remember that. It was amazing. It was alive. It was real. That was for me. Am I different than you guys? Absolutely not. Like we heard up here, what are you going to decide to do? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for the truth? Water baptism, 14 years old, very shy. I was always kind of on the edge. And for some reason, one way or another, I ended up being more active in youth, and I can credit my father for that and other men in our church because they just pushed me. They pushed me out of my comfort zone. They forced me out of my comfort zone. Right? And I would say no to everybody and anybody except for my father. Если папа сказал делай, делай. That was it. That was the way I am. If my dad said jump, I'm jumping. So when Papa сказал, ты будешь делать, okay, я буду делать. I can't remember my first sermon. I can't remember my first sermon. I can't even remember the first time I had to lead a youth service, what I said or what it was. I know that the older guys in youth, because I was only 16 when I had to do that, came up to me and had a little discussion with me. I can't remember what that was about either. But anyway. <laughs> you know, we heard about stepping out of your comfort zone. Okay? You might think I look comfortable up here. The only reason I agree to do this is because he 
Jesus agreed to go to the cross for me. Because he agreed to go to the cross for me. And he said, be a light. Be my ambassador. I want you to do this. Okay. Papa Skazal. Our Heavenly Father said, I'm not going to listen to anybody else. But it's the Papa Skazal. Ya budu djelat. Ya budu djelat. Are you ready to be obedient? What does your father, your heavenly father, tell you to do today? What is he telling you to do today? What time is it? Okay. Sometimes I can get carried away. Okay. Maladjosh, young people. I grew up the same as you guys. I grew up in the school system in this country. I grew up seeing those around me partying on the weekends, having a good time. All these guys, boyfriends, girlfriends, all these things. High school. I saw it all. I lived through it all. I know the pressures you're under. You can't tell me you don't understand us. Yes, I do. I do. And I worry about you guys. I know the pressures you're under. But I also see the spiritual side of it. And like I said before, hell is real. It is a real place. Do you want to go there? Do you want to go there? Why do you play with it? Why do you play with it? I was somebody you would consider a strong Christian. At 19 years old, I knew my word fairly well. I was one of the young people who, when I would go out somewhere, and there are those in our young group, those who kind of hang on the fringes, who sort of come to youth group, but when they go out, they drink, they party, they have their own thing. They, they, they like to hang their toes in the, in the lake of fire, right? Ooh, this feels warm. And when I would come out there, they would hide their beer behind, like, like I don't know what they're drinking. Oh, he's Svetosha. I wasn't. I was a little bit. I had zeal. Not much wisdom. But I'm no different than any of you. I know that because I decided to do everything I could to follow my king, that he blessed me. Years later, those young people who partied and did all these things would come up to me and say, can you pray with us? Can you help us? It's hard for you. Yes. So, um, they'd say, it's hard for us. That's what they would say. We need help. And I would say, yes. And they'd say, well, it's easy for you. It's easy for you. 
You never drank. You never ran around with girls. You never partied. It's, it's easy for you. What's easy for a young man and woman at your age, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, when everybody around you is drinking and partying and saying this is great and having a good time, and you stick out like a white crow among the black crows? Is that easy? Oh, it's easy for you, and I know it's not easy for you. Because I was there. I know it's not easy for you. But the reward. Why? Because God is good. And those people will come to you and say, can you pray with me? Can you help me? What do you think about this, and what do you think about this? The people who laughed at you and mocked you and spat at you. They will even find a time when all their friends can't see. And then, yeah, 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 I want to talk to you. Yeah, I I know, but I know that you're actually like this and this. Sorry that I laughed at you. Can you help me? I know what it is. How do you look at your pastor in your church? and your leaders. They know what it is because they were young. They know what it is. Why am I doing this? Because somebody said we need to be vulnerable. So, And then God starts to lead you. Not ever in any thought of my mind did I ever think I would be a pastor. I think when we got married, if my wife had known I would be a pastor, she might have had second thoughts. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. Not ever. Because that's kind of contrary to my character. I have a heart, I'm an introvert. I'm actually a heart, I'm an introvert. I'm not a conversationalist. And what does a pastor have to do? He has to go up and talk to people. That's not my comfort zone. You know, I hate the telephone. I hate talking on the phone. I'm the type of a guy is if I need to find out how much a part for my car costs, I won't pick up the phone and call the store. I'll drive down there. I'll drive down there. It's like two seconds. Pick up the phone and ask them. Nah. What kind of job did God give me? I live on the phone. I have to use the phone. But God is good. God is good. But not the way we think he is good. And he is good to you. And he will move you like we saw the potter working with the clay. And he told me he had for me a design. He said, I'm going to make you into a pastor. That's not what I wanted. 
know, make me some other kind of little vase that they put in the corner. And, and even to make it look nice, they have to put a flower in it. That's probably what I would pick. But God is good, is he not? He has to be. That's who he is. Why does he do all of this? I know why he did certain things in my life. Because he kept me away from other things. He made my character and he made me the way I am. Knowing that if he didn't, I would have probably made different decisions in my life. Not probably, I would have. I understand you guys. To serve, to serve, to serve is such a blessing. It's such a blessing. To be a pastor is such a blessing. And no, not because people say pastor, pastor Peter, right? Everybody said pastor Peter. It sounds funny. Anyway, no. But to be used by God in his work with another person and to see another soul come to Christ and to see another soul that could have been lost but is no longer lost, that you've helped strengthen because God has used you. You know, it's, we need to fill the kingdom of God. Yes, absolutely. But we need to keep the kingdom of God full as well. That is the two-pronged work of the church. Sometimes we're so focused on one that we forget the other. Some on one side, some on the other. To serve. It's the most amazing thing. It's the most amazing thing. You know, I watched you guys playing your games. It looked fun. I contemplated joining dodgeball, but... <laughs> I probably would have ended up in the cusp too. <laughs> I want to tell you guys, our youth knows this too. When I was young, I, I went rock climbing. I climbed all sorts of big cliffs. I've gone hiking into the mountains and into the glaciers. I've gone skydiving. I've done that. I bungee jumped. I rode mountain bikes before they were mountain bikes. Along with some of our other young, crazy, they're not so young guys. Yeji Siroj knows what I'm talking about. I, I like the outdoors. I've gone backpacking. I've gone skydiving. I know. I know. I understand. But you know what? All of that stuff. Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, let's, let's open it. Is it Ephesians 3? Philippians 3, sorry. (laughs) 
Philippians chapter 3. I hope you guys know this passage. Verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 and 8. Но что для меня было преимуществом, то ради Христа я почел читаю. Да и все почитаю читаю ради превосходства познания Христа Иисуса Господа моего. Для Него я от всего отказался и все почитаю за ссор, чтобы приобрести Христа. Чтобы приобрести Христа. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but what? What does that say? How dare you say that in a, in a service? It's written in the Bible. I count it as dung that I may what? Bungee jumping, three seconds, it's over. Skydiving, a few minutes of, well, 30 seconds of free fall, and then you float down for a few minutes, it's over. Mountain biking, ah, great adrenaline rush until you, uh, I, I have a, I know a guy who I went to school with, broke his neck, paralyzed, it's over. And then we can make the list. Hunting, oh yeah, it's great, I shot my first deer. Okay. I'm not saying these things are bad. And you're allowed to go have fun and play dodgeball, and all that. that's fine. It's not sinful. But what has worth? What has worth? Чтобы приобрести Христа, чтобы познать Христа. There was a point in my life. I was active in church. I was born again. I know I was born again. I preached. I read my Bible diligently. I was involved in many things. And there was a point in my life that God gave me this time in my life where I, I had to drive a lot to get to go to work. And I would just listen to sermons and pray. Six-hour drive one way, six-hour drive home. I didn't actually listen to music at that. I find most music pointless to listen to. There's a reason. I'm going to tell you guys. Most music, not all. There's really good music out there. I'd like to pull up your guys' playlists one day. It clutters your head. And you won't hear the voice of God. There is music that will actually facilitate that as well. That's not what I'm talking about. You, you mentioned music to young people and it's like you start World War III. Why can't we? There's a reason why. But anyways, I decided I am going to use this time. I have six hours. Nobody in the car with me. I spoke to Christ like he was sitting in the seat next to me. And he spoke to me. Back, yeah, and I would listen to sermons. We had a bunch of sermons. And they were actually just sermons that were broadcast over the radio in Russian. And they were just what we would call sermons that we know. We know all this stuff. We know that Jesus died for us. 
Don't we? How many times do we have to listen to that? How many times do we have to listen to about the cross? And it's shed blood. It's so familiar. We know. I want something new, something exciting, something that will lift me up. I will tell you, youth, молодежь, если Голгофа и крест Иисуса Христа не дает вам подъем, вы в беде. If the cross of Christ and his shed blood and his death and resurrection do not give you life and strength, you are in trouble. If that message has grown old to you, you are in trouble. You're in big trouble. I was driving and listening to a sermon. I think this is a sermon that many of us have heard about how Jesus was crucified. He hung on the cross, beaten, mocked, tortured, in agony. And the people were walking by him and saying, if you're God, if you're the Son of God, come down. Come off that cross. We'll believe. We'll believe. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me something that we all know and we've heard. And I knew. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Он остался на кресте ради тебя. We know this, don't we? We know it here. We know it here. But when you know it here, everything changes. Everything changes. Он остался на кресте ради... He stayed there for you. For you. Personally you. I could point and say all your names. I don't know them. So he stayed there for you. If that is not real for you, if it is just a story and you know it's something that happened, but it hasn't hit you here, it hasn't become alive here, you have to go back and start speaking with Christ and start asking him, open up to me what happened on the Christ. This is important. This is extremely important. First Corinthians. First Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is also a well-trodden verse, I think. First Corinthians 1, 18. Ибо слово о кресте для погибающих юродства есть, а для нас спасаемых, what is it? Сила Божья. Are you looking for the power of God? The cross, the word of the cross, the preaching of the cross is what to us who are saved? It's the power of God. We look for power everywhere. Lord, touch me. Lord, do this and this for me. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go over there. The power of God is at the cross. If you have not found power there, every other power that you find has a big 
question mark on it, to put it lightly. Everything else. And if the word of the cross, if what I'm speaking to you about is like, eh, I heard this before, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. You must stay there. You must stay at the cross. That period of waiting. That period of forming until God reveals to you that he died for you. It's pointless to run to Siberia on a missions trip. Yeah, you'll get something out of it. But if you have not received the power of the cross in your life, what do you have to give? What do you have to give? Zero. Null. Nothing. Nichto. Jesus spoke to me. I remember while I was driving. I remember the road I was driving on. And a message that I heard so many times in my life, it broke me. It broke me. I was born again. I know I was born again. But there came a point in my life where God said, okay, look at this. It's something we all know. I knew about Jesus Christ. I knew everything. I could quote scripture. But that I may know him. That's when that started in my life. That I may know him. I know about him. But do I actually know this man, Christ in the human flesh, who hung on the cross for me? Do I actually know him? Do you know him? We're going to talk, we're talking about serving. Do you know him? Maladjosh, all of you. It doesn't matter if you've got water baptism. It actually doesn't matter if you've went through and you know you're born again. You must know him. You must know him. Apostle Paul said, I consider everything, everything as dung. And I will tell you guys, watching you, having fellowship, playing your games, walking around, whether you think it or not, it's generally not that hard to see who is drawn to Christ and who is here just to be here. It is. You can see it. You can see it. In our youth from Vernon, in our guests, see it. God sees it. When you come to Him and understand what He did for you and grab a hold of Him at the cross, you will be ready to serve. I can keep going on.
about my life, but that's enough. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Going away from this camp, we're taking the tema of born to serve. I'm going to end. Born to serve. Born to serve. Born to serve. It's not about something fancy. It's about every little thing that you do in your life. We already heard Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. But let's read through. I want to read through the scripture. Right through from Romans 12, 1 through Romans 16. Итак, умоляю вас, братья милосердием Божьим, представьте тела ваши в жертву, живую, святую, благоугодную Богу, для разумного служения вашего. И не сообразуйтесь с веком этим, но преобразуйтесь обновлением ума вашего, чтобы вам познавать, что есть воля Божья, благая, угодная и совершенная. По данной мне благодати всякому из вас говорю, не думайте о себе более, нежели должно думать, но думайте скромно, по мере веры, какую каждому Бог уделил. Ибо как в одном теле у нас много членов, то не у всех членов одно и то же тело. Так мы многие составляем одно тело во Христе, а порзен один для другого члены. И как по данной нам благодати мы имеем различные дарования, то... Имеешь ли пророчествуй, пророчествуй по мере веры. Имеешь ли служение, пребывай в служении. Учителей в учении, увещателей увещевай. Раздавателей раздавай в простоте. Начальник ли, начальствуй с усердием. Благотворители, благотвори с радушием. Любовь да будет непритворна. Отвращайте зла, прилепляйтесь к добру. Будьте братолюбивы друг к другу с нежностью. В почтительности друг друга предупреждайте. В усердии не ослабевайте. Духом пламенете, Господу служите. Утешайтесь надеждою, в скорби будьте терпеливы, в молитве постоянны, в нуждах святых принимайте участие, ревнуйте о странноприимстве, благословляйте гонителей ваших, благословляйте, а не проклинайте, радуйтесь с радующимся и плачьте с плачущими. Будьте единомысленны между собою, не высокомудрствуйте, но последуйте смиренным, Не мечтайте о себе. Не мечтайте о себе. So the next camp you go to, the next conference you go to, the next youth service you go to, the next time you get together with each other, не мечтайте о себе. What did it say in English? Be not wise in... No. In your own conceits. It's better in Russian. Don't think about yourself. Because Christ did not think about himself. And in the last verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Verse 9 and 10. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. добро, да не унываем, ибо свое время пожнем, если не ослабеем. Итак, Да коли есть время, будем делать добро всем. А более всего своим повери. How will the world know that we are the children of God? That we are disciples of God? 
Христос сказал, из того узнать, что вы мои ученики, когда вы будете иметь любовь между собой. Start in the house of God. Start in the church. And we are heading to prayer. We are going to be going back home. Back home. We're going to come off the mountain and we're going to go to work in the spiritual sense. Don't run around. Be faithful where God put you. Be faithful where God put you. Don't run around looking for some lift me up magic pill somewhere. Be faithful where God puts you and serve and you will find the power of God because that is what the cross is. The cross is the service of Jesus Christ to us and that is the power of God. So many people are looking for something, always running around looking, going to this church, going to that church, going to hear this speaker, going to hear there, always going and never serving. Yes, it's okay. I, I like to go somewhere and hear, and it's okay. But when that's all you do, you have a problem. Go home. Go to the church where God put you, where you are a member in that church, and serve. Be faithful in the small things, and God will move you to the big things as he sees fit. Be faithful where he put you and serve. Because Jesus Christ was born to serve. And we are no better than him. Be faithful when you go home and serve. And you will see the power of God in your life. You will see the reward that God gives you that you don't expect And it's amazing. And it's amazing. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And as we heard, the power of the Holy Spirit is what enables us, gives us the strength. That's a whole other tema that I don't have time to get into now. But there's a reason why we believe in the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why we believe in being born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think we know the reason. And so we're going to pray. And if anybody needs prayer, you can come forward. You can come forward. If anybody wants to repent and get to know who Jesus is, repent for him, saying, you died for me died for me. I want to serve. I want to serve. I'm not interested in going to hell. I am interested in being with Jesus forever. If anybody has that desire, that's who we're going to pray for today. Небесный Отец, величаем Тебя, славим Тебя и благодарим Тебя, ибо Ты благ. Аллилуйя, слава Тебе. О, Иисус, величаем Тебя, славим Тебя. 
Благодарим Тебя, Кремене Алсенемене, Гесселевраме, Господи, Ты видишь и знаешь. Ты видишь, Господи, Боже мой. Ты видишь эти души, которые желают служить Тебе. Аллилуйя. Велема Алтере, Менегеселерема, Терегеселерема. на служение в Тебе, на том, чтобы Ты, Господь, взял, чтобы Ты открылся, чтобы сила Твоя вела, чтобы Голгофа была реальная, и чтобы мы были полностью отданы Тебе. Аллилуйя! Благослови, Искупитель, и укрепи. Аллилуйя! Слава Тебе! Слава Тебе! О Иисус, благослови! О Иисус, укрепи! О Иисус, наполни! О Иисус, прости! Селемент, аллермен, водокистеревар, аллермен, селемен, Слава, 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 слава тебе, и каждого на всем месте, который сегодня слышал Твое Слово, Господь, коснись Духом Святым, дай, чтобы это Слово было живо и действенно в каждой жизни, Иисус. Слава Тебе и хвала Тебе, ибо Ты благ, ибо Ты благ. Хотя мы не понимаем и хотя мы не видим, но мы знаем, мы знаем, что в Твоих руках мы в самом надежном месте, мы в самом безопасном месте, и мы нуждаемся в общении с Тобою каждый день. Господи, мы благодарны Тебе за эту встречу, за это общение, за милость Твою, за щедроты Твои, за этот час общения. Мы величаем Тебя, и мы благодарим Тебя. Аллилуйя! О мой Царь, о мой Бог! Аллилуйя! Аллилуйя, Господь! Благослови Лелер Иисус, Иисус, Аллилуйя, Аллилуйя, Аз Господь, очисти, омой, ободри, проговори святым духом, Аллилуйя, Лелема Алтенеменегархармарге, и соверши твою работу, соверши великое в этих юных сердцах, чтобы употребили это время, которое ты даешь во славу имени твоего. Мы величаем Тебя, мы славим Тебя, и мы благодарим Тебя. Аллилуйя! Аллилуйя! Слава! 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 Аллилуйя! Аллилуйя! Слава Тебе, слава Тебе, Аллилуйя Тебе, Искупитель и Царь. Небесный Отец, Ты так благ. И мы благодарим Тебя, что мы в Твоих руках, в Твоих руках и не в чужих. И хотя многое, многое, многое нам непонятно, и многое нам очень трудно, но мы в Твоих руках, а это надежное место. Ибо Твои цели и Твои намерения о нас, они во благо. И я молю Тебя за каждого на этом месте, за каждого, Господь, дабы глаза открылись, и они увидели Тебя, 
да би сердцем уразумели, что произошло на Голгофе. Что произошло на Голгофе. И чтобы мы этим жили и этим питались. О, Иисус, мы величаем Тебя и благодарим Тебя за все, что Ты даровал. За все эти молодые души, которые желают служить Тебе. За тех, которые вчера вышли, чтобы посвятиться на дело Твое, во что бы оно ни стало, чтобы Ты мог в их жизни совершить нужное ради славы Твоей, ради имени Твоего, ради царства Твоего. О, Иисус! Когда мы с этого места уедем и поедем домой, дай нам задаться мыслью, чтобы служить в церкви Твоей, народу Твоему, нашим братьям и сестрам в крови Твоей, чтобы мы были верные рабы, и чтобы Ты мог употребить нас и дальше, и дальше, где бы мы ни были, на всяком месте, чтобы мы были готовы послужить, отдать себя, так как Ты отдал себя ради нас. За все Тебе слава, честь и хвала. Великий Бог, Отец, Сын и Дух Святой. Аминь. Отче наш, сущий на небесах, да святится имя Твое, да придет Царствие Твое, да будет воля Твоя и на земле, как и на небе. Хлеб наш насущный подавай нам на каждый день и прости нам долги наши, как и мы прощаем должникам нашим. И не веди нас во искушение, но избавь нас от лукавого, ибо Твое есть царство и сила и слава во веки. Аминь. Займите ваши места. Okay. Молодежь, те из вас, которые сегодня вышли, you need to speak to your pastors or youth leaders, um, and we need to go forward with your dedication today. Хорошо? Don't just come out and then and think everything is okay. You need to keep discussing what you need to do with those God has put in your life. I just want to read a couple of passages. I want you guys as youth to understand something, among everything else. <laughs> We're going to have a prayer, a short prayer for some people right now. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 12 and 13. Just hear this. This is for your own good. Просим же ваш, братья, уважать трудящихся у вас и предстоятелей ваших в Господе и в разумляющих вас и почитать их преимущественно с любовью за дело их. Будьте в мире между собою. We beseech you Brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Those who work among you, I'm going to say today, 
the youth leaders that you have. Esteem them very highly. Esteem them very highly. Let's read another passage. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Повинуйтесь наставникам вашим и будьте покорны, ибо они неусыпно заботятся о душах ваших, как обязаны дать отчет, чтобы они делали это с радостью, а не воздыхая, ибо это для вас не полезно. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy. And not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Those who God has put among you, today I'm going to say your youth leaders. It includes your pastors. It includes the deacons in your church. It includes your parents. Esteem them highly because they watch over your souls. And when you esteem them highly, they will do what they do with joy. And that is good for you. If you complain, if you whine, and if nothing's ever good, my pastor sucks, my youth leader sucks, our church sucks. You know what? You suck. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I want you to understand that. There's a principle. When you hold your youth leaders, your pastors, your parents in your prayers, and you hold them up high before God, there's a principle at work. They will watch over you. They will do what they do with joy. And when they do it with joy, who reaps the benefit? You do simple very simple have you ever worked with a person that's always complaining and whining nothing is good everything is bad nobody knows what they're doing nobody's organized and then you work with another person who's positive even when things are bad they'll say oh we can do this this is better uh, let's help out here let's pray for this person let's encourage that person who would you rather work with I know who you'd rather work with. Who would your youth leaders rather work with? When they have a core, a core of youth that supports them in prayer, that's positive, that even when things are going bad and you need to talk about difficult things, you can do it in a loving way. You can encourage each other. You can uplift each other. They will run to youth service. I can't wait. Instead of, oh, I've got to go again. For your own good, pray for them. Ask God to bless them. Support them. And you will see. God will bless you. So right now, yeah, get out of your comfort zone. Dennis, Aleg, Eric, come up here. We're going to reverse the role. You guys all please stand. You three guys, please. Преклоните колени.
And we're going to ask for God to bless them, to fill them with the Holy Spirit, to use them even more mightily, that it may be good for us and for them, and that Jesus Christ may be glorified. Let's pray.